Welcome to the AccuSmile Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. So the first thing then in terms of that that becomes important since I'm an acupuncturist and, you know, it's like if you're talking to someone who does oil painting, the medium they work with is oils, right? Canvas, oils, brush, right? You don't talk to them about how you chip marble, (laughs) right? Because it's not the medium they work with. Since this patient is coming in for acupuncture, 
my diagnosis may be quite distinct from if I were going to give her an herbal formula, because the medium I'm working with is the needles. And then the what I'm holding is the needle, but the thing that I'm going to be treating that's intervening in the case then is the system of channels, right? So the first question that I eventually have to ask myself is, what channels are potentially involved in this patient's case? Because that will eventually determine what points or what channels I'm going to treat and then what points on those channels I'm going to treat. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Welcome back to the AccuSprout podcast. This is part two of a case review that I did with Dr. Henry McGann. Henry has a private practice in New Jersey where he utilizes mainly Dong-style acupuncture to treat his patients. He also teaches classes at the doctoral level at ACCHS, OCOM, and Bastyr, but his most extensive program can be found in the DAOM program at ACCHS, or the Academy of Chinese Culture and Health Sciences. In part one of this series, which is episode 49, we had a brief chat about the importances and differences between the DAOM programs and the DAACM programs. We learned about Henry's path and teachings in Chinese medicine, which include teaching extensively in the U.S. as well as abroad. We learned about the history of Master Dong and this system of acupuncture and how it differs from the Tan method. And lastly, we discussed Henry's books, which you can find in the show notes. Today's episode is all about the case study. Today, we're talking about a case of neck and shoulder pain. Listen in and enjoy the mental gymnastics. So, um, are you ready for this case review? Well, I, I think the question is, are you ready for the case review? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Right, here Bring we go. It on. I'm okay. really excited. So the I was thinking especially about this, what case to talk about. Um, and I figured we could start with a pain management case because it's an easy place to go to and explore some principles and contrast it to some extent with treatment that maybe some other that students may be more familiar with. So this was a recent case in my clinic. This is an ongoing case. So I initially saw this patient with uh, this month. So this is a case from this month. I wanted to choose something that was recent as well. Um, so she's a female in her 40s, and she came in with complaining basically of pain in her upper back, her shoulder uh, that was radiating into her arm, radiating into right arm. She, was, she has a C6, C7 disc herniation. And there is pain and then numbness going down. So, so there's radiculopathy going down into the right arm. There's numbness in the fingers. So on, so we still palpate, right? Because I want to get an idea of what's happening. So on palpation, what I determined she was really complaining of was basically pain in the area of the supraspinatus. She definitely had trigger points in the, the upper trapezius, on, basically all on the right side. There was definitely some scalene involvement, some levator scap involvement, because I, I'm, I'm fond of telling my patients that everyone's levator scapula hates them, so problem, problematic muscle on most people. And then the pain was on the posterior arm with radiation mostly into the first and middle fingers, right? So that's the distribution of the pain. She was complaining mostly of pain worse at night, uh, it was worse without movement, right? So movement, getting moving a little made her feel a little better. It was definitely worse with cold, damp weather, which we're definitely getting now significantly here in New Jersey. 
There was pain, especially at cervical rotation to the right, right? So right cervical rotation was painful. Flexion and extension of the neck was painful. There was also pain on humeral flexion and less so on abduction. So there was, you know, so pain with moving the humerus forward, forward and up. So that was basically the the physical presentation. Um, do you want the other signs just to think about before you're... Um, well, I just want to point out that, because that's a great question or a great point that you just made, that even even though you're not treating, quote, orthopedically, you just, you did a, comp- like, sounds like a complete orthopedic evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. And we are treating orthopedically. We're just not needling in the location where the orthopedic problem is. Right. But I just wanted to make that point because that may be something that, that practitioners hadn't actually thought about. Like, maybe that class didn't ring through, but see how important that background was in order for you to get a clear picture of what's going on here. So, no, thank you for that. And thank you for clarifying that because it also needs to go into your notes if you're taking insurance. Right? These things are important. Totally, totally. Right. So it's it's in. Excuse me, it's important on many levels. And I think sometimes when people try distant needling and it, you know, it doesn't work, <laughs> right? I, I, I just, it doesn't work when I do it. It sometimes is because, right, the, the air quotes, which people on the podcast aren't going to be able to see us. We're both doing air quotes. For, <laughs> for people who can't see us in the future, we're both doing air quotes, right? So where it doesn't work is sometimes because essentially they're, they don't have the right diagnosis. And the right diagnosis is informed, even if we're not doing local needling, by a careful observation of movement patterns, of which areas of the body and muscle groups are tight or not tight, or injured, weak, hypertonic, whatever, right? This all helps inform what we're going to do, even if we're not doing the orthopedic needling where we're doing trigger points directly right there, right? So, that's an important thing to keep in mind. You should still, and you don't have to do this, it doesn't have to take forever, right? So I see, on a busy day, I can see 25 to 30 patients, and I do that with no office staff. I do all my own insurance claims, you know, and I answer my own phones. I have a partner in the office, so they're just two of us. So it's it's busy, so you, you, you can't spend forever, <laughs> but you can still do a thorough look at what's going on in a relatively short period of time, so... That's another episode, by the way. That's that's totally another that's another episode that, that just triggered like every new practitioner out there. Like I know, how, I'm, I'm sorry. How? We, yeah, ahead. yeah. So we, we can get back to that some other time. <laughs> so the uh, the other things that we will see which are important potentially is the right sun position was superficial and full. The pulse was overall sort of thin and weak. But the right sun position in particular was full, especially at the superficial level. The tongue body was pale. And uh, I'm not particularly good at tongue diagnosis. In my clinic, I, I've, for me, pulse diagnosis is much more important. This is another thing new practitioners should know. You don't have to be equally as good at every diagnostic method under the sun, right? So eventually you may be really good at pulse. Your tongue is mediocre like me. It's fine. Maybe your pulse diagnosis is mediocre, but you can see everything. Years ago, when I, when I lectured in Rotenberg in Germany, I met this a teacher of, of tongue diagnosis, and she would look at someone's tongue and like know everything that happened to them from birth. It was like a miracle. And I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to see that much on people's tongues. But in this case, the tongue was, was pale. The body of the tongue was pale. 
with some slightly dark sublingual veins. That basically is all we need to know to make our diagnosis, for the most part. And then that leads into the, the points. Right, so the eventually, remember, diagnosis in Chinese medicine is like following an algorithm of hypotheses and deductions, right? So we have a problem with the neck. We have to say, okay, what are the possible things that can go wrong with a neck and the shoulder, right? What are my channels potentially involved? Since I'm an acupuncturist, right, the most important thing for me is going to be what channels are involved. Does it need something else besides acupuncture, which is another question? And then based on what I'm thinking, based on what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing, then I confirm that from palpation. I confirm it from palpating the patient's body. I confirm it from palpating the patient's pulse. And then eventually I confirm it by palpating potentially active treatment points, right? The potentially active treatment points will confirm or deny my eventual diagnosis, does it make sense? Yes, it does make sense. It'll make more sense when we talk about what points we get to. But yeah, go ahead. I, I actually really appreciate that because that's one of the things that I think that we all need more training in is, is the thought process, like the deduction. How are we going to get where we need to go? What questions do we need to ask ourselves at this point? So I appreciate that. I would honestly uh, rewind this podcast a little bit and listen right. to all those questions again because that was very important right there. Yes, thank you right. for that. Right, and so... And so the first thing then in terms of that that becomes important, since I'm an acupuncturist and, you know, it's like if you're talking to someone who does oil painting, the medium they work with is oils, right? Canvas, oils, brush, right? You don't talk to them about how you chip marble, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's not the medium they work with. Since this patient is coming in for acupuncture, my diagnosis may be quite distinct from if I were going to give her an herbal formula because the medium I'm working with is the needles. And then the what I'm holding is the needle, but the thing that I'm going to be treating that's intervening in the case then is the system of channels, right? So the first question that I eventually have to ask myself is, what channels are potentially involved in this patient's case? Because that will eventually determine what points or what channels I'm going to treat, and then what points on those channels I'm going to treat. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do so it. There we go. All right. Are you are you going to start with some thoughts, or do you want me to jump <laughs> jump in? No, I mean you've got you've got the two channel, you've got small intestine, you've got lung. You're inferring something from this pulse diagnosis. That's mm. I'm curious about. Tell me a little bit about that, or are you going to go there in a minute anyway? Well, we'll do, sure, we'll do it right now. So part of it is there. So first of all, in the neck region, especially if you're looking at some of the the muscle groups we've been talking about, right? So we're looking at the lateral aspect of the neck, we had some scaling involvement, we had the top of the shoulder, we had supraspinatus, we had upper trapezius. Um, this is a couple of different channels traverse this area, right? So if we're looking at the this part of the neck, this upper part of the neck, we're looking at mostly yang channels because the yin channels basically end at the chest, right? So the yang channels that we can potentially think of in this area are things like bladder channel, we can see small intestine channel goes up to that area, sanjiao channel, gallbladder channel, even large intestine channel, right? Uh, stomach, not so much because it wasn't really anterior neck that was problematic with this specific patient. But those are definitely the areas that are potentially implicated. So that's one piece of it. Now, 
the right sun position being somewhat full at the superficial level tells us which channel. Which channel does that give us an idea of? This is no, no. I'm just gonna say no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know the answer. So the right sun position is is what what position? What organs go in the right sun position? Or at least one organ oh, goes lung. in the right sun position. Lung, right, lung, right, large so intestine. Lung. Good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Lung and large intestine. <laughs> Don't right. put me so on the swab. My brain explodes. <laughs> no, that's all right. So that's an interesting and important piece, right? So right off the bat, in the pulse, we know that there's some sort of disturbance in the chi and blood movement of that pulse position. Since it's a superficial aspect, which was somewhat full, then we can deduce that this is large intestine channel involvement. And when we look at the area, the large intestine, in particular the large intestine sinew, goes up the shoulder, it goes over and around the scapula, basically to attach to the thoracic spine. Um, So the large intestine sinew can have pain along that channel pathway, and in particular the large intestine sinew is associated with pain on cervical rotation. Right. So right there, we have an interesting possibility to begin with. We also know how that you, the sorry. How did you? How did you get large intestine? Because it's floating so over lung. Right. So there are different there are different ways of looking at pulse diagnosis. If we're looking at a Zhang Fu model of pulse diagnosis, the pulse positions are Sun Guan and Chu are upper, middle, lower jowl. If we're looking at more of an acupuncture approach to pulse diagnosis, for example, we see in the Japanese acupuncture systems, since Japanese acupuncturists in Japan legally can't do herbs unless they're also licensed, for example, as a pharmacist or physician, when we put lung and large intestine in that first position, we're looking at the channels, right? So that's the pulse model where the superficial is with the yang channel, the deep is with the yin channel. So since it was the superficial position of the right sun, that brings us into the, the realm of large intestine channel. Right? And we see it with signs and symptoms, right? So this, the signs and symptoms that the patient had, remember the pain radiated down into more the first and the middle finger. So even the radiation of pain is large intestine is going to be part of that, right? That's going to be part of what we're seeing with this patient. Got it? Thank you. Okay, right. So we also can see based on the the pattern of radiation, that there's definitely some Xiaoyang involvement, right? So the Sanjiao channel, and particularly the Sanjiao sinew, goes along the, uh, the, the back of the wrist, right, the dorsal wrist where Sanjiao 4 is, up the lateral arm, over the shoulder, to the neck. And so like supraspinatus and scalenes are going to potentially argue more for Sanjiao, right? So we definitely have some Sanjiao involvement as well. We may have some small intestine channel involvement also, but we're not so sure yet. I wasn't so sure about small intestine channel. Large intestine channel, I was almost pretty sure of, but small intestine, maybe, maybe not. We have to, we we had to still think about that. Okay. So that's, that's getting us at least an idea of what channels are potentially there. Now, if we wanted to TCMize this in terms of a Zhangfu pattern differentiation, we could also see potentially something like blood insufficiency based on the pulse and the tongue, right? Wind, cold, and damp is a possibility. But honestly, for my acupuncture, that doesn't matter so much, right? Because what acupuncture is going to do is 
essentially going to rebalance that channel system. And if pain is from stagnation in the normal circulation of qi, blood, and other substances in the channels, then the main thing I need to do is reestablish normal movement of qi and blood in those in that system. Maybe later on, if I can convince the patient to take some herbs, that'll be a little different in terms of what we give them. Maybe if I can convince, and this is a patient, for example, I wanted to do cupping on initially. I thought, you know, cupping, I'm a fan of cupping. I like cupping. I like gua sha too, but I'm too lazy to do gua sha. So I usually do gua sha when I have interns in my office because they can do the gua sha. Cupping is great. Patient was afraid of cupping. So not only did she come for acupuncture, but I was only limited to acupuncture. She was totally not down for cupping. She eventually changed her mind a couple of weeks after that, but it was just like, didn't want to do cuppings too much for it once. So, so acupuncture it was. So if I'm doing acupuncture, the main thing I got to do is move the chi and blood in those channels that will reestablish normal circulation of chi and blood, bringing the body back to a state of homeostasis, which is health, right? To put it in a modern term. Sure. Sure. Got it. I'm still with you. Let's go. All right. Okay. So then the working diagnosis is she has, in Chinese, it's called jin suo. Jin suo is basically sinew contracture of the xiaoyang, yang ming, maybe taiyang of the arm, but we're going to determine that eventually next step, right? So that's step one. Step one is what channels are problematic. Step two, we have to think of what channels we can treat, right? So there are lots of different ways that we can go about treating any sort of channel system. So we can treat the channel itself, which in this case I actually did. And so we'll see that I did a, I did a, it's not a local treatment, but it's on the same channel treatment, but we'll get back to that because that was a second, that was a secondary part of the treatment strategy. But we have to ask ourselves, what channels can we possibly treat to treat that area of disease? So one of the possibilities, which is a possibility we use in TCM acupuncture is just treat the channel, right? Large intestine mm-hmm. channel is a problem, stick the large intestine channel. So Again, remember Sue in chapter five says the superior acupuncturist treats right from left, left from right, right? So we also can treat up from down, down from up. So chapter 70, the Sue says when the disease is above, treat it from below. When the disease is below, treat it from above. So in this case, we're going to use a point on the lower extremity, which means we can't needle large intestine, small intestine, or sanjiao because they're not on the leg. So one of the ways we can do this is by needling the same channel system. So, for example, the large intestine channel isn't the large intestine channel. The large intestine channel is the arm yang ming of the large intestine. The large intestine is the last piece of that name and sometimes the least important piece of that name. Okay, So, we, if you were in China and you were learning acupuncture, Many times in acupuncture books, they wouldn't say large intestine channel. They'd say arm yang ming, right? Because that's an important Mm -hmm. aspect of what that channel is, how it behaves, and what it does. So we know that the yang ming is the name of a larger channel family. We have an arm yang ming and a leg yang ming. So we have stomach channel is one possible treatment channel. So we're not treating the channel directly, but we're treating basically the extended family of that channel. Likewise, the san jiao is the arm xiaoyang of the san jiao, which means we can also potentially look at gallbladder channel, right? And then if it's small intestine, then we can look at something that's related to small intestine, right? Which 
one of the possibilities is bladder, and we'll talk about a second possibility in a second. Okay? So far, so good? Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, in Dong's acupuncture, there's a really commonly used point for shoulder problems that's called kidney gate. And kidney gate is located just slightly distal to yin mound spring spleen 9, right? So just a little further down from spleen 9. So since this is a fairly common point that we use, and at heart I'm lazy and I'd rather just drink tea than see patients. So your your first thing you do is your brain goes to, okay, what do I use all the time? So I go down to the patient's opposite leg and I start palpating around spleen 9. And lo and behold, it's not sensitive, right? Normally this becomes quite can become quite sensitive. So the point is not reactive. Now, this point being on the spleen channel has a relationship to the small intestine channel. The relationship to the small intestine channel is because we also can pair yin and yang channels together. One of the ways we can pair yin and yang channels together is through resonant function. So in the Suwen, it says that the Taiyang is the opening, the Yangming is the close, and the Xiaoyang is the pivot. And most acupuncturists have heard this idea of like, oh, your Xiaoyang is a pivot. I get that, right? No problem. The Yin layers in the Suwen says the Taiyin is the opening, the Jueyin is the closing, and the Xiaoyin is the pivot. So they have resonant jobs. So for example, can I give you a little quiz? Do you, are you ready? Are you up for? Oh a quiz? dear God! Sure, because uh, failing forward is what I do. That's fine. Do so you you studied herbal medicine <laughs> in, at Okan? Yes. Did you study herbs? All right. So yes. Ma Huang. Do you remember what channels Ma Huang enters? Lung. Lung. So what what layer does Ma Huang treat? So think what six stage layer does it treat? Like this is not what I'm good at. Quizzing me on the spot will get you nowhere. I know Ma Huang blows things open. Like, it releases the exterior. It blows things open so that you can perspire. Exactly. Like, I know Ma Huang, but... Right. Yes. That, and that's, that's why Ma Huang enters the lung channel and the bladder channel. Because the bladder is the Tai Yang as the exterior layer of the body, right? So the bladder is the opening to the exterior of the Yang channels. The lung is the opening to the exterior of the yin channels, right? So that's why the tai yang and the tai yin are both the opening. So there is a relationship between small intestine and spleen. Small intestine is the tai yang, spleen is the tai yin. So the tai yang and the tai yin are also resonant channels that we can use to treat one another. We could flip it and do bladder and lung. Right, Which is why, by the way, if you open up Deadman's book on acupuncture and look up Lung 5, it says that Lung 5 treats low back pain. The reason why Lung 5 treats low back pain is because it's essentially the same as Bladder 40. It's at the bend of the elbow. Bladder oh, 40 is at sure. the bend of the knee. Lung is the tie-in channel, which has a relationship to the bladder tie-yang channel which is why we can use lung five, and I do every day, to treat low back pain. And it's a TCM thing. It's not even only a, it's not a Dong's acupuncture or a balance method thing. It's in TCM. Deadman said so, right? It's in his book. Or someone said so at some point in Chinese medicine history. So these ideas 
are not unique to Dong's acupuncture or balance method. They're there simply as part of the heritage of Chinese medicine. It's just that Dong's acupuncture, for example, uses this strategy as one of their primary strategies, right? There, all of these things are just different strategies of how we can approach patients. But if you're a professional athlete, you may have a certain thing that you're good at or a certain play that you're good at. If you're a military commander, you may have a certain, you know, a certain, I don't know if I'm not a military commander, but I'm sure that they have certain, <laughs> certain types of strategies that work well for them that they use over and over again, right? Same thing is with acupuncture. It's what strategy are we trying to employ? And Dong's acupuncture uses this strategy of distant needling as one of its primary strategies. So back to the case. So we palpated this point near spleen nine and we palpated, it wasn't sensitive, and on palpation, I said, okay, move your shoulder around, move your neck around and see how it feels. No better. What does that mean to me? Small intestine channel is not involved. Or at least if it's involved, mm. it's not really that important involvement. So we test the involvement, not only by palpating locally, by feeling the pulse, but by palpating potentially active treatment points. Get the idea? And you did that to rule out Taeyong quickly, so that you yes. could focus on the others. Like that was your first step because it was the it was the lowest hanging fruit. Like this is the least likely piece. So let's eliminate that thought. Right. And it's a common point that we use. So if the point's not going to be useful, then we just we move on from it. Because it's nothing worse than you saying, okay, theoretically these needles should go in. You put the needles in, you take needles out, patient says, I don't feel any better. What are you going to do then? Right? So if you can choose points more efficiently before you put the needles in, why not do it? So the next thing we're going to look at are what are the potential involvement of the Xiaoyang and the Yangming channels. So we're going back to basically assuming that Sanjiao and large intestine, based on the presentation, were potentially the channels and more likely the channels that were really diseased in this specific case example. So we go to the outside of the leg and there's a set of points in Dong's acupuncture that are called the leg thousand miles and the leg five miles. So this is the zu qianjin and the zu wujin, leg thousand miles and the leg five miles. Um, these are, for those people out there who know the dong numbering system, which I honestly don't even know myself, how to look it up because the numbers are not as meaningful as the names, potentially. Um, these are 77.24 and 25 and that's a bigger story as to why they had these weird names than we can go into today. We can go into some other time if you'd like. So the quick and dirty, the, the basic, the punchline is the way we find these points is we go from stomach 36. We find stomach 36 as that's that our locator point. We find stomach 36, go tutsun lateral. Once we've gone tutsun lateral, we go four tsun distal. So we're on the lateral aspect of the lower leg. Got it? Yep, you're sort of in between stomach and gallbladder. Bingo. And that's the important point. So if we're in between stomach and gallbladder, we're in between the Yangming and the Xiaoyang channel, which means that we can treat both the Yangming and the Xiaoyang channel. Right? One of the things I heard Dr. Tan say many years ago, and I tell people all the time, I could have paid $1,000 for a weekend seminar, walked in, heard him say this one sentence and walked out, and would have been satisfied with the fee. Said between any two points, there's an infinite number of points, and between any two channels, there's an infinite number of channels. 
because it's not as if a channel is a line on a piece of paper. A channel is something that has width, depth, it's, which is why Meridian is the worst translation possible we could have ever come up with, because a meridian is a line on a map, right? As in the prime meridian. Yes. So if you say yeah, meridian and you're an acupuncturist, stop saying it today, because the word channel is something that, for example, water passes through. It has width and it has depth, which is why, you know, Unschuld translates the word Jing as a conduit in much of his writing. So that's a great word, but no one's going to use it. So channel is the next best <laughs> option, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that means the space between the Yang Ming and the Xiao Yang, the stomach and the gallbladder, it's like watercolors. You paint one color for stomach, you paint one color for gallbladder, and in between you have a mixing of the two. So this space in between it becomes this potential treatment area for this in this case, this patient, because that's those are the two channels that are involved. So, again, the two points, the first one, the leg thousand miles, is Tutsun lateral and Fortsun distal, starting at stomach 36. The leg five metals is Tutsun distal to that first point. So, there are two points right there on the outside of the leg. Got it? Yeah, I really like this because it feels... Um, it feels fluid. It feels like the, a more of a spectrum of treatment. Yes. Orthopedic acupuncture is like, let's, let's find this tiny little motor point in the, in the middle of the gemellus muscle. Like how do you, that's so challenging, but to have this spectrum of, of where the points are also talks to my ability to use my hands and find points that we didn't traditionally find. That's right. And, and again, both of these approaches are definitely useful, but the important point is, is if you go to a class on Dong's acupuncture and you memorize, oh, kidney gate's good for neck and shoulder pain, you put kidney gate in and it doesn't get better, it's not because kidney gate doesn't work for neck or shoulder pain, it's just that wasn't the neck or shoulder pain that one works for. And we have to hunt for the points, right? And that's just like you have to hunt for that, for that trigger point or, that, or whatever, you're, whatever you're really looking for, that small space in whichever muscle you're treating, you still have to hunt for the other point. So, when we palpated these points on the patient, and the second layer to this, which we can, again, do maybe at a different time, is the microsystem concept, right? So, the channel is one thing that brings us into the potentially useful point. Microsystem concepts is another thing that we layer onto it. But even if you just start with the channel, you're already starting somewhere important. So, when I palpated these points, not only were they sensitive on the patient, like I palpate, palpate, palpate. And it's the kind of thing where the patient said, you put the needle in already? And I say, no, it's just my finger. <laughs> okay. So that, that means, yes, it hurts. That, this point hurts. Then when we ask her to rotate your neck, move your arm around, all of a sudden there's a release of pain and tension in the problem area when we're palpating, in this case, the correct point. Okay. Now, this is not going to release pain in every single pain patient. For example, if someone has 20 years of low back pain due to spinal stenosis, you might not always get a, as dramatic an initial change in pain just on palpating the point. So it, there is going to be some variation, but based on this patient's presentation, based on the fact that this is a, in her case, this is a relatively recent problem and she's otherwise relatively healthy. I would expect to get some change fairly quickly, right? 
because the the disturbance of qi and blood is not yet that deeply entrenched. So palpate these points. Yes, it feels better. They get needled. Once the points get needled, then the next step is to have the patient mobilize the area. Why? Because what's pain? In Chinese, they say stasis. Right, exactly. When there's no movement, there's pain. Then the treatment is tong zibu tong. Move it and there's no pain. So what moves stasis? Acupuncture moves stasis. You know what else moves stasis? Movement moves stasis. So we combine together. And there's a chapter in the Suwen also that talks about this idea that we can go into again some other time. Getting her to move the area accentuates the effect of the, of the needling. Right? So we put the needles in. We do a little gentle stimulation because we can also have a discussion of why de qi is not what most people think de qi is. We have her move her neck, move her arm, move her shoulder. Pain starts getting better, right? So that's, that's step one. That was the initial uh, set of treatment points. I, after that, there is another set of points that are called the sanjian, the three shoulders, and they're located in the vicinity of large intestine four, so imagine large intestine four is along the second metacarpal. If you go across, so imagine that area of the hand that sometimes is called the tiger's mouth, the huko, that's a little cul-de-sac. If you go across the cul-de-sac to the first metacarpal, right? So just across from large intestine four, hugging the first metacarpal, there are a set of points that Indong's acupuncture we use for shoulder problems. So I put one or two of the, I think I put two of those needles in had her continue moving, and just because the pain in the neck improved, the pain in the forearm didn't quite completely improve by that point, I added in on the same site side of the problem, on the right side. So all the needles up to now are on the left side, right? There are four needles total. Yeah. yeah, all needles so far are on the left side. Four needles total. Four needles is bad luck because the word four in Chinese rhymes with death. And even if your patients don't speak Chinese, your needles may be due. So don't do four needles. I'm a superstitious kind of person. <laughs> so it. I put in pool at the bend, large intestine 11 on the same side, mainly because the large intestine sinew binds at the elbow. So it basically binds that pool at the bend, large intestine 11. So we put that needle in. It's a fairly superficial needle. You don't have to needle too deeply. Then the patient rests. So there are four needles on the left side, just one on the right side, just to help guide the effect into the appropriate channel. Uh, patient relaxes. I ask her again, you want cups? No, no cups. So we don't do cups. <laughs> she goes home. Five days later, she comes back for treatment number two. And the shoulder, neck, all of that initial area is significantly diminished in pain. So there's a marked diminution in pain. There was really no forearm pain left to speak of. So most of that that radiation to the arm is gone, with the exception of numbness in the hand. So that was the that was basically what was left. So the second treatment we did was we essentially did the same points we did on the first treatment with the addition of uh, of Taichung liver three. So liver three on the left side. The foot is a image of the hand. Liver three is a there's there's all sorts of stuff liver three does. So just to make it not too complicated, we know that it has a strong moving effect on chi and blood, right? And since it goes directly, it images the hand directly. 
we added that point in to deal with the numbness of the hand, right? We know that large intestine, uh, sorry, liver three is useful for problems of the extremities as well, because one, it's a shoestream point, right? Shoestream points treat pain on bending, stretching, like basically like B patterns. And it's also the earth point or really more properly the soil point. My other crusade is to get people to stop saying earth element because earth is a bad translation and element is the worst translation possible we could have come up with for these five things. So it's the soil phase. I'll accept earth phase. But since it's the earth point on the liver channel, it also means that it governs the four extremities. So the spleen stomach governs the four extremities. So one of the reasons why shoestring points are useful for treating these kinds of pain in the limbs is because on the yin channels, they're all soil earth points. Get the idea? So we added in liver three at the same time, which basically got rid of the numbness in the hand. Um, and the third treatment, where I finally convinced her to let me do cups, most of the pain is already gone, right? So it's three treatments in, it's not so bad, I, I would say. Yeah, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that's crazy, Henry. So like, <laughs> you... So she was an easy, she's an easy case. She was an easy case. So I, I do want to say she's a relatively easy case. Now, because there is potentially, or the, not potentially, there is this disc herniation this may not necessarily hold without some sort of physical therapy or other type of intervention that can work on that physical level on the neck, right? So acupuncture may not fix everything permanently, but in terms of symptom amelioration, acupuncture is fantastic, right? So, but, and we don't know what her long-term outcome is going to be yet. So three treatments in about a week and a half, most of the pain is pretty good. It's not 100% yet, so we're going to continue treating. I'm starting to do some some cupping, which I think will also enhance the process. And like I said, I'm a fan of cupping. And, and then we'll see. We'll see where she goes. That's amazing. So that's that's the case. And the important thing is that's the thinking that goes behind trying to eventually get to those potentially effective treatment points. Right. So it's not just it's not just this point treats shoulder problems. Or this point treats back problems, right? There's no such thing as empirical, right? Empirical means that your teacher didn't know why it worked, which is fine. It's fine to say, I don't know why it works. But there's always a reason why something works. I I don't understand why every point does what it does. But I know there's a reason, I just haven't figured it out yet. And I'm completely fascinated. I took your very beginner course on eLotus. You do this so quickly, it's like mental gymnastics, the ability to jump through all of these different possibilities of let's look at the channels, no, and then let's look at the clock, and then no, now let's look at the the um, microsystem, and what's above is now below, and you're treating the shoulder, now you're going to look at the knee, or, you know, like how to flip all of this in your head so quickly. I think that freaked me out in school, and I think that's why I just wasn't <laughs> strong. Like, I just wasn't strong yeah. at it, and I'm, st- I'm still not strong at it, but I see it as like, okay. Now that you have like your comfort, you have a comfort zone, Stacy, and you can treat in this this place in this way. It's time to go back to the roots of this because this is right. this is our medicine. This is right. truly our medicine. And I was just intimidated, and my just could only 
handle so much, honestly. So I appreciate this so much because it you came in and you gave a case study. And I know because I've listened to some of your, your more in-depth case studies, you just touched on the possibilities here. You know, you just you just barely dipped our toes in this because I think you're right. Probably this comes from teaching for so many years. It is mind boggling to somebody who's not used to it. And I think it would have been too much to share truly all of the thought processes and the systems involved in this, but it's so worth knowing. So I, I really appreciate the toe dipping and the gentleness with which you just gave this case study. Right. And, and in, that is the challenge and, and getting back to this question for new practitioners, the, 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 the eventual challenge is that everything you learned in your basic theory courses is important and all of it is clinically relevant. Otherwise it wouldn't have been taught and useful and useful. Absolutely. And just because we can't see its utility right out the bat, it's Okay. One of the ways to dip your toes into it is to start exploring and thinking about those connections. So you don't have to think about all of the possibilities all at once. So, you know, your your homework, everyone's homework. You know, I was a high school teacher before I went into Chinese medicine for a while. <laughs> you know, so every time you put a needle on stomach 36, think to yourself, okay, I'm treating stomach 36. I'm treating the Yang Ming channel, which means I'm connecting to the large intestine channel somehow. And every time you put the needle in, just think of that. When you put lung five in, think, okay, I'm also working the spleen tie-in, and we talked about the tie-yang, that's another connection you can think of, right? But just start thinking of those connections one by one by one by one, and eventually, once you start thinking about it, then it becomes easier and easier. And what happens eventually is you get pickled in the method. You get pickled in all of these ideas, so that it's it, the the processing becomes rather quick, right? But it's the same thing with someone who's really great at orthopedic assessment, right? Someone who's really good at orthopedic assessment doesn't have to go through every single muscle test and palpate. They look at something, they have an idea, okay, these are the two things that are wrong. Let me do these one or two tests. Let me try this muscle. And it, that was it, right? So because they're so pickled in that method, that's why eventually it's important to really go deep into whatever method you you are eventually trying to use. And it's okay in the beginning not to know all of it. Totally fine. But you just got to ease into it gently, 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 and realize eventually you'll get all of it, or you'll get more of it. None of us has all of it. Some people get more of it at once. So it's, it's, there's a lot to think of. And that's okay to start just thinking of one thing at a time. I guess that's my best advice for the, for, for newbies. One system at a time, one one way at a time. I, our herbs instructor used to, he was really good at throwing it out there and trying to get us to integrate it as we went. And he would say, and this is, you know, the small intestine. And what time is right. that? Just as he was teaching, it was really right. uh, awesome. And I remember like listening to the other students and some of them, it's just clicked with them and it, they got it very quickly and were able to be like, oh, that's blah, 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 blah. So fast. So so good. But yeah, the conceptualization is challenging for me. Spatial conceptualization mm. is challenging mm. for me. And that's part of what this is. And memorizing is not challenging to me. I could, that's what right. I got out of school. Like I can memorize everything, yeah. but spatial conceptualization and flipping things around is really challenging to me. So anyway, do you have anything else to say about this case? Yeah. I mean, we can we can talk more about the case <laughs> a couple more weeks in to make sure that the, that the results hold. But but it's it's just an illustration that when done well, 
there are lots of different ways to approach even things that people would assume, oh, I have to do local needling in this case. We don't necessarily have to do local needling in this case. I mean, I'm not saying that it's a wrong approach. And she could have easily have been treated with local needling, with trigger point needling, with whatever, whatever other, other sort of methods there are. But it's not the only way to do it. And the problem sometimes is when people are not necessarily getting results from distant needling, it's they don't go through the algorithm in their head well enough to get to the actual best treatment point, right? Um, it's as deep and as, uh, as fluid and nuanced a system as any other acupuncture system. And it's, you know, it's, it's not hard, but it's also not easy, I guess is a good way to put it. But I think that's, that's a part of like every type of medicine is yeah. nailing the diagnosis, no matter whether you're Western or Eastern, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. Getting the Absolutely. diagnosis right or close, like getting it quickly and getting it right, that's going to really get you great results if you, you know, or step one, right? Like right. that's, Absolutely. that's the, right. the foundation. So, yeah. And that's, I'm with you. Like that's one of the most important factors to treating well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you've already given so many gems to new practitioners uh, in so many ways. Any last comments before we close this down? No, I think it's. I think you've listened to us uh, blabber on long enough, and uh, <laughs> I think it was a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for coming on. I can't w- can't wait to do it again, Henry. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it. <laughs>